Hey, it's Jeff and Jeremy from the Ultra Running Guys. And if you're here, you probably already know that we started this podcast to help you take your next step in your ultra running journey. But what you may not know is that in addition to this podcast, we also host two live races in the Wilmington, North Carolina area that are designed to do the same. The first is the final countdown, which takes place on September 16th. And whether you've never run before or you're a hardcore ultra veteran, this race is designed to help you find your limits. And we will be there to help celebrate with you. And we have now opened registration for the Hydra, which will take place on April 20th and has a 50K individual, a 50K relay, and a half marathon option. Whatever option you choose, we promise that slaying the Hydra will be unlike any race you've ever experienced. All right, so mark your calendars, share with your friends, and visit us at theultrarunningguys.com or check out the links in the show notes for more info. And with that, enjoy the episode. And remember, when in doubt, just show up. And welcome back to the Ultra Running Guys. You got Jeremy Reynolds and Jeff Winchester of the Ultra Running Guys. And we are super stoked to be trying something new with you tonight. So we started a podcast in October of 2020, and our mission is to help you take your next step in your ultra running journey. But part of taking your next step on your journey is knowing where that journey may lead. So our goal with this show is to spotlight different races, get you the ins and outs, and who better to talk to for that than the race directors themselves. And to kick it all off this this first episode, we are going to be talking and focusing on the Canal Corridor 100. Um, Just so if you have some little bit of background information about the race, the Canal Corridor 100 is in Akron, Ohio. Um, Actually starts in downtown Akron as well and runs along the entire towpath trail following the Ohio and Erie Canal Way. Um, It fascinates me a lot personally. I'm actually going to be running this race myself because 40 miles of the race is in the Cuyahoga Valley National Park. Um, there's a 20 mile out and back in that section and the towpath itself is made up of crushed limestone trail Um, it does yield to some asphalt um, some concrete as well as some wooden bridges along the way Um, but what really i enjoy about this race is that i live on the east coast where it's really really flat and this is a flat race it has got 807 feet of elevation gain total nice which makes it flat which makes it fast and to top it all off it is a western states qualifier and without further ado, we would like to welcome to the show, Emily Collins, the race director of the Canal Corridor 100. Welcome, Emily. Hey. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, um, that was a great description of the race. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, that is essentially what it's about. It's a flat, fast, great first 100 miler. Well, first of all, thanks for taking the time. We're really excited to talk to you. Um, like we kind of talked about before we started, purpose of this show is really if somebody's looking for a race is to help them decide does this belong on their race calendar right and so we're gonna we got some questions for you we're gonna go through and uh you know hopefully help them get that info but why don't we just start just kind of quick how long has the race been around and then what do you think keeps people coming back so this is i think our seventh running now of canal corridor 100 um and i've been the race director since 2020 which is going to strike you as odd because there weren't many races going on in 2020 uh but we pulled it off and we were one of the first in um the nation to uh put on a race during the pandemic uh and we're really proud of that uh, in part because we did it you know with the health of all participants in mind. And I think you all know, you know, ultra racing tends to be something that is uh, healthy, not just for your your physical body, but for your spirit and your mental health as well. And uh, 
it was just really a special thing to have a race in at that time it was actually in uh july of uh 2020 oh. and we've moved it at this stage to october but um yeah uh so i've been in the race director since 2020 that's awesome i didn't realize that it um that it was one of the first back in um 2020 during the pandemic either i was just thinking i mean everything got clear right. in 2020 so to hear that that must have been a pretty amazing thing and i'm sure that people appreciated it my first yeah. thought was going through national, you know, the national park. I'm sure there was some coordination, unless you guys changed the course, but I'm sure there was some coordination that went along with that too. But. Tons of coordination. I mean, that's the thing about a 100 mile race. That's not just, you know, around a track or something. You really have to coordinate with multiple jurisdictions, multiple agencies. And during a pandemic, the state department of health, right, right. <laughs> among others, right? So yeah, it was it was a feat, but um, yeah, we we've been the energy that came out of that 2020 race, especially, uh, really put you know Canal Corridor into a, a light that I think it otherwise wouldn't have been in. Um, we had all the local local marathoners, you know, mm -hmm. signing up, uh, and just this giant pack of <laughs> elite runners at the front uh, trying to race because there were no other right. races. So, um, so cool. it was a pretty neat thing. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I mentioned at the very beginning that I'm also going to be running this race and I'm yeah. uh, looking forward to it, but other That's than more the fact, exciting than right? the pack of elite runners. <laughs> Listen, I'm, yeah. on board. I'm on board, right? Other than the, that reason that I'm going to be there, why should every other ultra runner, um, run your race? Well, the reason is that, uh, we are dedicated to the hundred mile distance. Um, and we try to be accessible, uh, and we really want you to complete it. So we're not trying to make it the hardest race out there. We're not trying to, you know, put barriers up. Uh, we are facilitating the way and we do that m multiple ways. And I can talk more about that, but uh, something about Northeast Ohio is that we tend to have access to this uh, towpath trail that goes through um, a lot of Northeast Ohio. It just, you know, uh, it seems like every hundred feet, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's really, you know, you can see your runner almost uh, anywhere you'd like. And we don't discourage that. Um, we do have particular places where your runner is accessible and you can offer aid um, but you can, you can be cheered on the entirety of the course, which is pretty rare for a hundred miler. Um, but I think it's also very, very unique that it's just 100. Um, and all of our volunteers, all of the, you know, uh, we're all volunteer staff, by the way, but all of our, uh, uh, you know, race committee folks, we are there to serve the needs of a, a person who's running a hundred miles. Um, and we run the race that way. So. I think that's such good information. So if you're mm -hmm. listening, be thinking about that, especially if you've got a family that's supporting you and interested and um, you know, we, I was pretty lucky or we were pretty lucky that our first kind of events that we did Umstead JFK were fairly accessible. And right. I think it made a big difference for a family being a part of it. So I think that's a great bit of information. Yeah, but the key there is also that you can only receive aid at designated aid spots, but to have your family with their posters along the way. Take saying, the pictures. Don't die, that. dad. Don't die, dad. That's an <laughs> awesome thing for me to see. Right? Right. <laughs> so, um, and, and you may have just it, answered it. It kind of prevents oh. you from stopping. <laughs> that's what I'm <laughs> thinking. When they're like, actually, I'm checking on you. 
so yeah, it, I think the accessibility is helpful in multiple ways, but um, you know, when you have somebody there saying, I see you uh, and I want you to keep moving, you know, there's more to, than just aid to having crews and support. Uh, there, there's motivation to it. And sometimes it's that 10 miles to the next aid station that you talk yourself out right. of finishing the race. But yeah, if you've got people all along the way, then that's huge. It's hard to plant that seed. Um, and you may have just answered this. And if so, we can, we can move on to the next. But personally, what is your favorite thing about the race? Is it what you just talked about? Or is there something else when you look at it, you're like, ah, this is what I love about Canal Corridor? There are a lot of things I love about Canal Corridor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But I'll narrow it down to two for you. Uh, the first is that it's inclusive and accessible. Um, and everybody involved is, you know, our mind is on making sure that that's the case. So we, you know, are, are doing everything we can to make sure that we have policies in place that accommodate people who might otherwise not, you know, consider the race. Um, uh, we have translated our uh, race manual into Spanish. Um, you know, we, we want people here who are from all walks of life, uh, all backgrounds. Uh, and we give back to make sure that we under, you know, people understand that we are serious about this. So um, everything uh, that's left over after we take care of our runners, we just give back to the community, uh, the local community. So that's a really powerful piece of putting on this race. Uh, and then the second thing that I just love about Canal Corridor is that we actually take you through a bunch of neighborhoods. Um, so yeah, you go through the national park and I think a lot of people feel like that's a highlight. Um, but my background, uh, as a runner is, you know, I've, I've been able to go on these, you know, storybook, uh, <laughs> uh, journeys where for the Spartathlon, for example, uh, is a race that I've done and, you're going through Greece from Sparta, uh, from Athens to Sparta, and you go through every single village in between, and they all have a unique character. And there's something about this race that does that same thing. You know, you go through communities that are not uh, the highest on their luck, um, and you go through, you know, the pinnacle, the gem of uh, Northeast Ohio, which is the Cuyahoga Valley National Park. So you get to see the full spectrum. And everybody's cheering for you. You know, it's it doesn't change along the route. Everybody wants you to do this thing. Um, so that's what I think is really special. It's cool because that doesn't come across from a, a registration. Absolutely page. not. Right. You know what I mean, that is. Uh, it makes you want to go run it with it. You. Does it does? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's yeah. really cool to hear. Um, all right. So so you know that's that's the exciting side, right? But every hundred miler comes to um, to challenges for anybody who runs. I've run a few myself. Oh, yeah. I've run a couple as well. You know, we know that there are challenges. What do you think um, runners often underestimate about the race? Oh my goodness! Well, I think they underestimate that it's runnable. So when you hear that it's fast and it's flat, you think you can just do it. Uh, but the trick to this hundred miler is that you can run every single step of the way. And you guys know this, uh, when you're running trails, we can give like, you know, 70 to 80% and we're doing great. Uh, but, but that includes trotting up some hills where you're not exactly running. So um, the difference here is that you use single muscle groups and it's all the same the whole way. 
and that towpath, you know, it's it's crushed limestone, so you just get a little shake in your step. Uh, so there's a little bit of variation in uh, your toe hitting um, or your foot hitting, and that that can, if you don't train for it, I think that can throw some people off. It just hurts a little different. <laughs> so those are the things that I think people underestimate. It's funny because I keep thinking that's going to be my biggest problem there is I'm going to try to bank time because I'm like, it's going to be easy to run in the beginning. And I'm going to like try to camp out thinking all that. And I'm going to blow up because I've been stupid. The one good thing is this is a race that you should be prepared for. Cause we literally live right on pancake <laughs> flat coast. <laughs> so I'm stoked. Yeah. Um, okay. So no, I, I feel that right. So anybody listening, if you think about canal corridor, know that yes, it's flat and fast, but to your point, there's probably no natural walk spots. There's probably, you're going to hammer the same muscles the whole time. And so you really got to take control. I'm going to ask this question and then I'll, I'll follow up with something, but so knowing that, what do you, what can runners do to prepare themselves to avoid it? you know, a DNF in your race, whether it's that, or if there's some other part that they should know about. Yeah. I, I always encourage runners to go ahead and do their long runs on, you know, flat crushed limestone, um, in the shoes that they anticipate wearing for the race. So that's one thing that they can do just to feel prepared. Um, the other is really mental and it's make sure that you go ahead and make a decision, uh, before the race you're going to go ahead and walk out at each aid station. Mm -hmm. You're just going to go give it a chance, you know? Um, and if you do that and our volunteers are fully prepared to help you do that, uh, then you're going to get there eventually. And we have a 30 hour cutoff. Um, and I mean, we've had, we've had runners who, uh, on their own went out and, you know, with our, our, uh, guidance and agreement, uh, went, went past the 30 hour time limit. We weren't there, obviously, you know, we pack up and, and go just as we planned. Uh, but there's at least one runner who went ahead and she did it, you know, and five o'clock the next day was, uh, when the race was over at, uh, 11, I think it was that year. 5 p.m. I get a call from the brewery saying, hey, you, you know, you got a runner coming in. Wow. <laughs> she just did it with her own crew. Uh, and the next year she came and finished in 28 hours. So, you know, she inspired herself to come back and give it another shot based on her prior experience and did it. Uh, so I think you're fully capable, even if you're hiking uh, the last 40, 30 miles, you can finish. Um, so you have to keep that in mind and a finish is worth a lot <laughs> mentally, you know, it, it does quite a bit. And I won't say that I will stop, uh, try to talk everybody out of, uh, you know, continuing on. There have been some instances where I've said, okay, I understand, <laughs> right, but, right. uh, the majority of the time people can go on, um, even if they have to puke and rally or whatever it might be. So so for our audience, that should sound familiar is just show up, right? Just keep showing up, keep walking out. Um, I am curious. So we had uh, an episode with Jeff and Katie Wilson, who is a couple that uses a four to walk run. I'm sorry, run walk uh, kind of ratio. I would imagine your race is probably the perfect for that. Do you see a lot of run walk intervals? 
Absolutely. Um, and I'll say this as somebody who tried competing at the 24 hour distance uh, or uh, race, I should say, uh, quite often. Uh, and that's often done, you know, around a track or something that serves, you know, that that perfect scenario as well. Um, it works. That's what I'll tell you. And it works for elite runners and it works for uh, average runners and, and people just starting out. So, um, yeah, put yourself on a schedule and uh, uh, do it. Um, I think that's really smart. I, you know, there are some things that you can't necessarily account for, like the distances between aid stations and when you're going, you know, you're going to walk at different times based on how much time you're spending at an aid station. Um, but I can imagine just buffering aid stations with a walk, you know, like every single aid station I'm going to walk out of for X number of minutes. And I think that might be a good strategy too. Uh, get your fluids and fuel in you. And when you're ready to walk or ready to run, I should say, go, you know? So I don't think it has to be a set, you know, uh, time frame. It can be contextual as well. Right. So Good. So can I ask a quick follow-up question about this, this limestone um, towpath? Because you've got my brain thinking about it. When you talk about the surface being that way, is it um, saw, like, soft, like you sink a little bit in it, almost like an inch, or is it hard-packed lime, crushed limestone? It's hard-packed for sure. Okay. Um, I mean, if, it, if there's a significant rain or something like that, then yeah, there will be some soft spots. But um, it's more that the limestone is there and it, you're not going to get the same kind of foot strike as you would on asphalt, right? You're going to move a little bit every time your foot goes down. So if you think about doing that for hundred miles, it's a little different than, you know, running on asphalt or running on trail, um, uh, such as single track trail. So yeah, you, you just need to go ahead and find a surface that's going to give you some of that same experience and it, it tends to affect uh like the ankle and lower uh calf so think about how you can get a little variation no, in your step. it's it's like bad water it's like the beat the bad water cape here it's on, it's like sand it's running in sand it's not as soft oh because you're on the hard pack sand yeah 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 hard pack sand it's like we so we have a beach to live by i could train on the beach and have a similar type effect on my ankles and achilles I think that's a good idea. Um, mm -hmm. It's not going to be like that. Uh, the course is not going to be like that, but it would give you a, uh, it would give you that um, feeling in your mm -hmm. uh, muscles that would help you train for it for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Well, so you mentioned aid stations. So if somebody's listening and they're looking to run your race, what should people know about aid stations? And you kind of mentioned maybe some different distances, but what should they plan for? What do you have? How are they stocked? And then is there anything they need to know is like, if it's cupless or do they, you know, what should they plan on bringing that kind of thing? So we do tell, we do encourage uh, runners to use their own cup that they carry with them. Uh, but it is not going to make or break your race. We're going to have things available for you again, because we are thinking about wanting every single right. runner to finish who possibly can. So it's not, uh, it's not going to be something that you have to uh, absolutely do or, you know, you're out. <laughs> um, so we will have cups available, uh, and we, we always do. Um, but I, and I've had runners actually tell me, I think I could do this without carrying anything. 
because our aid stations are so close together. They're five to seven miles uh, yeah. apart. Um, and we've gotten to a point where we've under, you know, come to understand exactly uh, how far we can, you know, um, push things. Uh, there were times when I had aid stations, full aid stations, two to three miles apart uh, in some places. And that's just a little silly. So <laughs> five to seven is what we've, We've gone with. Um, Unless you need cookies every two to three miles, then, then that makes sense. Right? <laughs> I mean, and I think you you probably uh, carry carry your own cookies. <laughs> I do, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> which is fine. Um, but we have so Hammer uh, Nutrition always sponsors us. Uh, but in addition to that, we always purchase. Um, spring energy gels okay good. So we have both available and it's just to accommodate the different needs of runners um you know some some people really do need you know the uh different kind of nutrition that spring offers and we want to be able to provide that so um but we do use heed at our uh aid, aid stations so that's the hydration that you should expect mm. and some people really don't love heed. Um, I've never had a problem with it, <laughs> but, um, but you can always carry your own, uh, and you have crew, you know, crew access is in many, many places, every single aid station. Uh, we also allow crews to, uh, give you aid at, uh, non-staffed aid stations. So if we just have water and gels at a specific location, it's fine with us. If your crew, um, you know, gives you whatever you need at those aid stations as well. Yeah, are there options for, uh, you know, kind of whole food, real food aside from the gels or is most of it gel? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm, I'm trying to think down the menu. Um, so <laughs> the way we do this is we encourage each, each aid station captain to offer something special, uh, in addition to the things that we offer, you know, just across the board. Um, so we have bananas, we have watermelon, we have, you know, uh, peanut butter and jelly, we have, uh, cracker, uh, uh, I should, uh, chips and we have, you know, uh, uh, different fruits, usually oranges. Um, we also have fruit cups, you know, and this is something that came from the pandemic and people just loved it because we were trying to get all packaged foods that were individualized. Uh, and we got this, you know, you love them as a kid, uh, right. <laughs> sugary. They're great. It's got that, yeah, that yeah. simple syrup almost that drips out of there. Yeah. You just drink it. And then the fruit goes down pretty easily, honestly. So peaches or pineapple or whatever. So we've always carried those since the pandemic. Um, I think fewer and fewer runners have been taking them, <laughs> but, but those are available. Um, I'm sure I'm missing some things, but uh, in addition to that, we always have hot food. Uh, so ramen, um, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, one of the special things that an aid station captain will do would be a different kind of soup, mm -hmm. uh, yep. especially at night. So usually That's the nighttime aid stations will have hot foods. Um, we always order pizza from the brewery that's at the start finish line. Uh, and to distribute those to our aid stations in two hour increments when it gets dark. So, you know, we try to give as much as possible. Uh, there was one year we had burritos, but we haven't done that. 
<laughs> for a while. There were too many leftover burritos. Um, That's great for but, people to know, though, to kind of get an idea for well, yeah, like a yeah. variety. Actually, when you said it, it made me think of something about being in Ohio for this race in October. <clears throat> I imagine there is pretty good temperature swings between the day and the evening, um, and night, rather, in Ohio. Um, yep. What are we looking at from an, uh, a gradient? Yeah, we always include the updated uh, highs and lows, you know, historically um, in our runner's manual. So make mm -hmm. sure to check the runner's manual. Um, but uh, last year, I mean, we've had a variety. Uh, <laughs> so in 2021, um, it was hot. It was kind of hot and humid. Uh, and nighttime cooled off enough for runners to feel really comfortable. It mm -hmm. was you know, in the sixties, I think at night, uh, this last year, um, it was pretty chilly. So, um, I mean, the runners who came in, in, you know, 12 hours, uh, uh, they, they thought it was great. Um, but the runners <laughs> who were coming in at 24 plus hours did not think it was so great. So, um, it got pretty chilly, especially in the national park. Mm -hmm. And I think it was in the thirties, um, so there was a little snow in the lower areas. So yeah, you have to pay attention and we do try to alert runners, you know, Hey, this is coming up. Uh, and this is what the forecast is looking like. Make sure that you are thinking through what you need uh, for the weather. And again, your crew, if you have crew, um, and, and you can always use your drop bags too, make sure that you have, you know, what you need for the nighttime temps, um, so because it's so accessible, that shouldn't be a problem, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> we, we do have one aid station that goes past where everybody had parked at the start. And it's usually around, uh, just over 50 miles. Um, so there have been times when people go back to their car and get a few things that they didn't think they did, they were going to need and then get back on the course, but, Excellent. uh, yeah. As long as they don't get in their car and drive away. Yeah, right, right. right. It's well, kind of a dangerous spot to have your car, I guess. Probably right. come guess halfway. Yeah. Um, well, so so the race is October 7th, 2023. As of today, uh, at the time of recording, registration is open. It's not filled up. Is there anything special about registration that people should know? Do you guys typically sell out? Or is there anything like that that, that we want to pass along to the audience? We sold out for the first time last year, um, okay. and we didn't do it until like the week before the race. Um, so, and we don't have price increases or anything like that. So your budget and your schedule should, you know, determine when you decide mm -hmm. to register. I kind of like that we aren't a race that sells out quickly. I, right. I like that people are making decisions about, you know, being ready to go a little closer to the race. Um, so uh, I, you know, I would, I would, uh, see how you're feeling and by the end of the summer, certainly make a decision. Um, but yeah, I, I have, I suspect we actually, uh, bumped up the, um, with the approval of the national park, bumped up the, uh, uh, cap. So we're, we get 250 okay. runners this year. Um, so it, I'd be surprised if we sell out, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully we'll. Are there any um, qualifying race requirements? There aren't any. Uh, we don't allow people under 18 to race. Um, so we we build this as, you know, your first or your fastest. And we really do want people to 
try it out. Um, so it's, it's okay with me if you haven't done, you know, uh, a certain distance. Uh, I actually don't think that that's the best indicator of how you'll do in a hundred. Um, I think you, you could probably be really, really great and feel really fit at the half marathon and come out and do a really decent hundred. So, so that, I mean, you can do it too. Yeah, that's my money. <laughs> um, no, I like it. I mean, your first or your fastest is such a great tagline, right? And it should for everybody listening. It makes perfect sense. So if you're looking for your first and you're not sure, obviously we talked about it being flat and fast, but it's more that it, it sounds like you kind of reduce some of the obstacles that that you might typically run into, and your accessibility is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you've been doing it for a while and you're looking to see, hey, what can I really knock out if I focus and I have a course that allows that. So, I, I imagine a lot of people would see it as a uh, as a good opportunity to try to get their first sub 24 if they're trying right. something like that. It's an ideal setup for that. Yep. Knowing that you have to have the patience right. because it is so runnable. It's, yeah, yeah. But, it is but, about patience. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I love it. So, well, that's great. Um, one of the things with these types of episodes, we're trying to keep them a little bit shorter and you were fantastic about just kind of providing all the information for everybody listening. And so correct me if I'm wrong, but it's you are, so the letters you are ultra.com is the best way to go check out information on the race and get registered, uh, get registered. That's, that's right. October 7th, 2023 is the date Jeff's running. So again, that's all you need to know. Come run with me. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, and here's what I'll say too, for, for all the listening or everybody listening, if this is your first time coming across us, uh, we'd love for you to just plug into the podcast. We release episodes every two weeks and it has just been an absolute passion of ours. Something we really enjoy. And obviously if you've been around, uh, in your old family, then let us know what you, we think about this. You know, this is something we're experimenting with. And if you guys love it, tell us what you like, or tell us what we can do different. Tell us what races you'd love to, to hear about, um, but Emily, this has been fantastic from our end. We really, really appreciate your time. Oh, no problem at all. Thank you. And that's right. You are ultra, uh, is the platform that we use for registration and you can find our race canal corridor hundred on that platform. Perfect. I do have one more question for you. Okay. As a race director, uh, for people coming to run your race, you know, what, what would you like to, to say to them? What does it mean to you that, that people come out to do this with you guys? Boy, I th- so I've run so many races now, uh, but it is more emotional and uh, uh, special to me to see other people finish uh, and make sure that they have what they need on that journey than any race that I could finish. Um, so it it means the world, honestly. I mean, I people are going through things that you know. I could never possibly understand, uh, and I, I never will. Um, but I know that they can come out and feel accomplished by completing hundred miles. Um, so, and it's always a special thing. Um, so I just like seeing them, uh, come out and accomplish something that they set out to do, uh, and knowing that they can do it. It's the most confidence you could possibly, you know, uh, instill in yourself um, by going out and doing a hundred. So, so good. I like yeah. It. Yep. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, again, thank you everybody for tuning in. Our motto is just show up. And so in all things that you do just show up cuts. cuts.
All right, listen, thank you so much. We recognize the fact that you are probably just hanging on just for a couple more minutes as you're finishing up your run. But really, we do want to give you a huge thank you for the constant support that you've shown us. We hear you and we feel you. And the best way for us to continue to grow is for you to share us with your friends. Tell them what you put in your ears when you're out there on a long run. Hit the like button, leave us a comment, um, leave a review, and give us some direct feedback on what you like about the show and also what you don't like. We're here to improve and do it for you. And it really means the world. And listen, if you would like to support financially, you can connect with us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the ultra running guys, or you can use the support link in the show notes. Any and all support goes directly back into growing the show and helping us get better at what we love to do, which is to serve all of you. And with that, finish up that run, get cleaned up, and just show up. Clean. Clean. Clean.